The social relations. The usefulness of young ministers, married or unmarried, is often destroyed by the attachment shown to them by young women. Such women do not realize that other eyes are upon them, and that the course pursued by them may have a tendency to injure the influence of the minister to whom they give so much attention. If they would strictly regard the rules of propriety, it would be much better for them and much better for the minister. Their failure to do this places him in a disagreeable position and causes others to look upon him in a wrong light. But the burden of this matter rests upon the ministers themselves. They should show a distaste for such attention, and if they take the course which God would have them, they will not be long troubled. They should shun every appearance of evil, and when young women are very sociable, it is the minister's duty to let them know that this is not pleasing. They must repulse forwardness, even if they are thought to be rude, in order to save the cause from reproach. Young women who have been converted to the truth and to God will listen to reproof and will be reformed. Jesting, joking, and worldly conversation belong to the world. Christians who have the peace of God in their hearts will be cheerful and happy without indulging in lightness or frivolity. While watching unto prayer, they will have a serenity and peace which will elevate them above all superfluities. The mystery of godliness, open to the mind of the minister of Christ, will raise him above earthly and sensual enjoyments. He will be a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The communion open between God and his soul will make him fruitful in the knowledge of God's will, and open before him treasures of practical subjects that he can present to the people, which will not cause levity or the semblance of a smile, but will solemnize the mind, touch the heart, and arouse the moral sensibilities to the sacred claims that God has upon the affections and life. Those who labor in word and doctrine should be men of God, pure in heart and life. Testimonies for the Church, Volume 3, page 241. Young men are arising to engage in the work of God, some of whom have scarcely any sense of the sacredness and responsibility of the work. They have but little experience in exercising faith and an earnest soul hunger for the Spirit of God, whichever brings returns. Some men of good capabilities who might fill important positions do not know what spirit they are of. They run in a jovial mood as naturally as the water flows downhill. They talk nonsense and sport with young girls, while almost daily listening to the most solemn, soul-stirring truths. These men have a religion of the head, but their hearts are not sanctified by the truths they hear. Such can never lead others to the fountain of living waters until they the drunk of the stream themselves. It is no time now for lightness, vanity, or trifling, the scenes of this earth's history are soon to close. Minds that have been left to loose thought need change. The Apostle Peter says, Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written... Be holy, for I am holy. First Peter 1, verses 13 to 16. Loose thoughts must be gathered up and centered on God. 
The very thought should be in obedience to the will of God. Praise should not be given or expected, for this will have a tendency to foster self-confidence rather than to increase humility, to corrupt rather than to purify. Men who are really qualified and who feel that they have a part to act in connection with the work of God will feel pressed beneath a sense of the sacredness of the work as a cart beneath sheaves. Now is the time to make the most earnest efforts to overcome the natural feelings of the carnal heart. Testimonies for the Church, Volume 3, pages 473-474. When a minister, bearing the solemn message of warning to the world, receives the hospitable courtesies of friends and brethren, and neglects the duties of the shepherd of the flock, and is careless in his example and deportment, engaging with the young and trifling conversation, in jesting and joking, and in relating humorous anecdotes to create laughter, he is unworthy of being a gospel minister and needs to be converted before he is entrusted with the care of the sheep and lambs. Ministers who are neglectful of the duties devolving on a faithful pastor give evidence that they are not sanctified by the truths they present to others and should not be sustained as laborers in the vineyard of the Lord till they have a high sense of the sacredness of the work of a minister. Testimonies for the Church, Volume 3, page 233. The minister of Christ should be a man of prayer, a man of piety, cheerful but never coarse and rough, jesting or frivolous. A spirit of frivolity may be in keeping with the profession of clowns and theatrical performers, but it is altogether beneath the dignity of a man who has chosen to stand between the living and the dead and to be a mouthpiece for God. The mystery of godliness, open to the mind of the minister of Christ, will raise him above earthly and sensual enjoyments. He will be a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The communication open between God and his soul will make him fruitful in the knowledge of God's will and open before him treasures of practical subjects that he can present to the people, which will not cause levity or the semblance of a smile, but will solemnize the mind, touch the heart, and arouse the moral sensibilities to the sacred claims that God has upon the affections and life. Those who labor in word and doctrine should be men of God, pure in heart and life.